We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, March 16th, presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Free agency. The new league year is underway. We are getting into all the big free agent signings, uh, the big free agents still out there to be signed, all that good stuff. We're also going to get into some risers and fallers in the best ball landscape after uh, in the wake of this week's action across the league. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast again, presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code RWNFL. That gets you a free six-month subscription over here at Roadwire. Also gets you a first deposit match up to hundred bucks over at Underdog. So take the knowledge that you get over at Roadwire and win some cash over at Underdog. Mario, this is this time of year is like manna from the heavens. It's like Sports smelling salts because the, the last month or so, you know, the Super Bowl ends and there's really nothing like you can try to convince yourself that you're going to do get ahead of the game uh, for your March Madness prep. Uh, maybe if you're sick like me, you watched a lot of spring training baseball games, but oh, really sorry. not. <laughs> Hope you feel better. I, I'm enjoying it. The, it uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, I just I follow the Orioles religiously and uh, that is what it is. But. Either way, uh, we get the the new league year started. We get the the tampering period, the legal uh, tampering period that that got underway on Monday, kind of opened uh, the floodgates, and then the new league year officially started on Wednesday afternoon. But before we get there, Mario, how far do you have the Badgers going in your bracket? <laughs> uh, I'm glad that they're in it, John. I didn't know that. Um, I uh, I'll put them. I'll, I'll put them at a four. That's where they finish in their absolute best years, right? Well, Three, uh, a, a bit of a cruel trick question for, from your host here. Uh, the Badgers did not make it this year. Oh, okay. Well, see, I didn't know that or anything else about them. Um, I, I last paid attention when they had like, um, what was it? Like Michael uh, Kaminsky and Decker? Uh, Michael Finley? Even, no, I was saying Michael Flowers. 
Uh, there's like a flowers player uh, back when I was uh, going to school, and I think that's the last time I knew anything about them. Brian Butch, stuff like that. Got it. Okay, so so a bit more of a vintage uh, Badgers fan that, than uh, staying current uh, Cam, or whatever Cam it is. Cam Taylor? Cam Taylor? Is that one of them? Yeah. It sounds like a guy that plays basketball, um, but no, the, the Badgers missed it. Um, we are actually recording a little bit earlier uh, than usual uh, to uh, suit my own personal needs because the, the Maryland Terrapins, uh, whom I love for, for basketball, uh, they, they open up the tournament uh, Thursday afternoon against West Virginia. So I got my Maryland sweatshirt on. Uh, I got Maryland flag Zubas on. Uh, that, that's for the um, unedited version of the pod can't release that to, to the full public, but uh, I'm excited, but either way, let's go ahead. Let's talk some football. I want to start things off with, with one of the big developments that, that hasn't been made official one way or the other, but it seems like there's a rift between one Austin Eckler and the Los Angeles chargers over a new contract. Uh, what, what's your read into that? Did you expect something like that to happen? And, and where do, where do things stand as we record? Well, I didn't particularly expect anything, but I sure am glad to see Austin Eckler raising hell about this because he should have. He should have last year at the latest. Um, he was grotesquely underpaid, and it was basically abusive, the, the work arrangement that the Chargers had with him. So it is really funny, but not expected given their just idiocy. You know, their, their commitment to Chargers would not uh, concede a pay raise, and maybe they still will. Maybe they're... Maybe they're trying to play hardball at a time where they simply should not. And maybe they'll get away with their lives, even though, you know, they, they kind of they should, by all rights, just have their whole operation blown up for this. It's ridiculous because um, the, the the offense that the Chargers have is already not good enough. And mm-hmm. when you take Austin Eckler out of it, it goes from nearly not good enough to one of the absolute worst in the league, even with one of the top five best quarterbacks in the league. This is a testament to both Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco, two uh, great innovators in just arrogant failure. I hate them, as you can tell. Um, Austin Eckler was paid less this year, or was or a scaled, uh, slated to pay less last year and this year than Gerald Everett. So look at the fruits that we have uh, to, to this bounty that we have to pick from the authors of all these running backs don't matter crap, the relentless whining about whenever a running back gets any sort of recognition at all, especially pay, especially draft capital, the, the crying and screaming and kicking that they do constantly. This is what it's all for. So Gerald Everett can get paid more than Austin Eckler. And when Austin Eckler holds out about it, they can whine about how the running backs don't have any market. It's like you think that, and you have fought for it. You have lobbied for years on behalf of owners who wanted to drive down the guaranteed money paid league-wide and saw that running backs were the best way to grind this particular X. It's all for this so that the Chargers can say to a player they cannot compete without, we don't think you're worth anything. And, um, yeah, I hope they pay. I hope they go 0-17. I want them all to suffer for it. Um, and hopefully, I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, Austin Eckler doesn't have any market. Like, no, I bet he does is the thing. And if the Chargers don't want to pay him, this idea that, like, Oh, he has no leverage then. Okay, Chargers, you get the second, third overall pick, whatever you'd like. If Austin Eckler doesn't play, they don't play. And they're arrogant enough to suggest anything else in the meantime. Otherwise, if I was Eckler, I'd say, look, it's off for us. You can move me and you can get something for me, whatever it is that you can get for me. Or you could just lose this year and I'll walk. 
Like he needs to take that stance right now. He needs to make it clear. He needs to make them believe it because the Chargers are absolutely stupid, arrogant enough to go into this offseason still not adding any running back help because they just think running backs they they are enlightened. Uh, you know the, the the particularly forward sort of analytic thinkers who know you're not worth anything. You're a stupid running back. Why are you saying? Why are you saying you should get paid more money? You're just a stupid running back. It's like okay, well, good luck putting up so much as like ten points a game, you idiots, with Josh Kelly. It, it's um, it I go, I go in a bunch of different directions with this because at once I feel like the the Chargers' offense, especially these last two years, was like it, it made awkward, or it made Eckler great, or you know it it maximized you know what what he's good at on the field. But I, I felt like if you have a Justin Herbert, there shouldn't be so much of an emphasis on the short passing game in general. And, and obviously like you get really good returns with, with Eckler relative to basically any other running back. You made a great point on Twitter that like basically outside of Marshall Falk, good luck finding a, a more efficient running back in the, in the hey, passing John, can game. I, can I for a second sure. clarify what I meant by that? People thought that I was just kind of making that up. And I don't know why anyone would think not not to like sound like I'm bragging or something, but like you should know that I'm insane enough and obsessive enough that I'm gonna have my my little homework done on this. And the reason that I said that is that Austin Eckler, if you set if if you um if if you like me have a stat head account, which you should, Pro Football Reference, um, what do you Hive, all of, of that network. Um, they have a cool query you can run that used to be for free that now you have to get like a whatever. $10 a year subscription or something to run a query for pa- uh, players historically who have accumulated any particular combination of stats, any particular combination of whatever height, weight listings, etc., cetera, uh, positional designations, you can run a query for it. And one query that you can run is something that is a, like a pass catching threshold of, uh, of both the volume threshold and efficiency. And when you set the mark, I can't remember what it was. It was something like if you set it over 60 or 80 catches, and if you set the yards per target, and I'm specifically thinking of the Austin Eckler season from um, like three years ago, before he really started getting like overfed volume, um, or actually it was, it was back in 2019. So that year he caught 92 of 108 targets for 993 yards and eight touchdowns. That is a combined efficiency volume threshold only otherwise surpassed by like two Marshall Falk seasons. And then it's Eckler. And then you got to go further down to Christian McCaffrey. So Austin Eckler is the second most effective pass catching running back in NFL history. If you set the thresholds at certain volume and certain level of efficiency, no one else other than Falk has reached it. That's a fact. Uh, anyone said got a problem with it, you know, scream at a wall. I don't care, but that's Austin Eckler and the chargers and the NFL market as it has found itself decided Gerald Everett is worth more. And that's not true. That's, that's a manipulated market. That's an, that's a, that's an illegitimate market. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone knows Gerald Everett is not worth more than Austin Eckler. Everyone knows Daniel Jones is not worth more than Saquon Barkley, etc. So, uh, yeah, Eckler is a singular talent. I don't know why that's so hard for people to get. Like, this is not some guy that you just replaced. The Chargers should know that already because last year, you know, the good Josh Kelly season. Joshua Kelly's good now. 1.49 yards per snap, John. Austin Eckler, 2.31. And that's not even accounting for the downward pressure of the touchdown production that Austin Eckler has. And it's not accounting for the fact that it's easier to turn carries into yardage than it is targets. And Eckler puts his yardage total up against uh, Kelly's with, I don't know, like four times the target volume and not that mm-hmm. many more of the carries. So this is this is one of those things that it's, it, Eckler is so much better than Kelly, you can't even really quantify it. 
all you can the only point you can really get to like a numerically like solid fact that that is not negotiable in any way is that the Chargers offense dies without Eckler. It is dead. Nothing there. So yeah, I mean that that's true, and that that's why I, I come down to to this weird. Uh, this weird place where it's like, should the Chargers just, in theory, have an offense that, that, that that's this reliant? But Eckler, if if they're going to go this route, then they need to have Austin Eckler because they they just simply don't really have the the talent. Otherwise, you know, they like, don't have a choice. You know, Mike Williams yeah. is a fine enough player. Yeah, they, uh, you know, Gerald Everett obviously had a, had a good season last year. Keenan Allen, you know, we're, we're coming up probably on on the end of his prime at the very least, to put it lightly. And you know, you've been. Uh, you know, banging the drum for for years about their need to get a field stretcher to to help out Justin Herbert. Um, but you know, as it stands, if they don't have Eckler, that's a, that leaves just a, a massive chasm in the, in this offense. So they need to either completely change the offense and get a bunch of better receivers, which is you know no easy feat in and of itself, or just pay Eckler what he's worth. Yeah, and they could, or start by paying him, I don't know, half of what he's worth. Right now, he's paid like a third of what he's worth. And um, yeah, if, I know there's there's this assumption that people make like, well, you can just, it's a bad investment to spend on a running back. You can just get a cheaper one and, and be just fine. For Austin Eckler's functions, for the returns that he gives them, for the, the burden that he carries in that offense, there is one player maybe uh, on the market who can do anything that Austin Eckler can. That's Jameer Gibbs. Short of that, short of spending a first-round pick to get Jameer Gibbs, this this offense is going to get worse yet if they don't bring back Eckler. They can find, people think they can't find a way or they're, they're ready to blame it all on Lombardi, I guess. It will get worse. Trust. Uh, Brandon Staley will find a way. He's He is dumb enough and full enough of himself to just drive this team right through the ground. It's, so, tough scene there. Uh, last question uh, on, on this note. Uh, where would be an ideal landing spot if Eckler and the Chargers part ways? Um, he, I think Eckler is the kind of talent uh, who, wherever he goes, the offense will reform to build around him. So I actually think the answer is pretty much anyone can use him. Where I'd like him to go is with a, a smart offensive play caller. So like, I'd really like to see him in Miami. Uh, Miami, you know, even with the Tua questions, they're clearly gearing up for you know short term aggression. Like they're trying. Well, Tyreek Hill is here. They're trying to win a Super Bowl, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, it makes sense to me because they can still get Eckler for less than he's worth. You know, the running back market is still uh, illegitimately deflated by all of this all this lobbying media blitzing and, and the collusion by the owners to, to go along with it. Eckler won't cost the Dolphins whatever he would eventually be worth to them on the field. And if they're trying to compete now, it makes sense to me to have, like, whatever, Mostert and, and Jeff Wilson taking up 12 carries a game between the two of them. Eckler taking up like eight to 10 carries and the rest of the snaps, you know, and try try to cover Tyree Kittle while Austin Eckler is off doing whatever he does in the flats and in, in the near flats. And um, I, I, I just think that's too much stress for a defense. I, th- I think obviously already with almost any quarterback, the Tyree Kittle, Jalen Waddle, Mike McDaniel combination is already unstoppable. If, if you give Eckler to McDaniel, I, I have full faith that he'll find a way to, to get the most out of it. That would be sick. I, I guess just reflexively, my, Miami stands out to me interestingly because they, they did go ahead and, and bring back those guys, not on mega deals by by any means. There's they're still not you really right, giving a cheap, ton of money yeah. to the running back position. But um, so I don't know. I guess just reflexively, the fact that they basically brought back their whole backfield on Wednesday 
it it in my mind it took Eckler out of the equation for them. But again, like you said, they, they are starting to kind of like push their their chips to the to the middle of the table. And those guys are all role players. I mean, even Jeff Wilson is a backup. Like Mike Mike McDaniel, I love him, but yeah, it, it it's funny that McDaniel too is not even that good at evaluating running back talent. Like he went out, they went out and signed Chase Evans to get two weeks into the year and be like, oh, I hate this guy. Where's Jeff Wilson? Mm-hmm. And Jeff Wilson, if Jeff Wilson's like the only good running back you can think of, it's like you haven't spent much time thinking about it. But Eckler, especially with McDaniel showing so much smarts about that intermediate short passing game, I feel like there's times that he, he could look at like the defense rolling coverage toward Hill and Waddle, and he, he could think of something in that situation where Eckler would just break the defense's back for trying it. Yeah, I man, yeah, the, that offense would be uh, ridiculous if they were uh, to get Eckler. I, I one team that that I saw get bandied about, uh, I don't think would he would help particularly would be the Bills. I, I don't. Th- I think they, they need someone it. who's a little bit more of a pile pusher. Yeah, they can't use a running back because of how they build the offense to suit Josh Allen. Like structurally, you're not. I, I was a James Cook critic. Obviously, I hated that draft pick, but people should have noticed that even he went to that Buffalo offense and all of a sudden his pass catching returns turned to crap. He was even worse than Singletary as a pass catcher this year. So uh, he's not he's he isn't as bad as Singletary as a pass catcher. Truly, it's just uh, that's how that's how inhospitable the Bills' scheme is to running back production. Whatever their answer is, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, changing the running back personnel. Because if they want to run out of the formations that are suitable to running and set up the situations that are suitable even for running back pass catching, then Josh Allen needs to run a different playbook, and they're not going to do that. So uh, they can load up at receiver, and offensive line, and defense. That's it. Right. So that, that, that wouldn't totally uh, jive there. Um, let's get on over to, let's talk about, we'll get to the Raiders in a second uh, more fully, but what the Raiders just, just uh, offloaded earlier this week, they, they go ahead and they trade Darren Waller uh, to the New York giants for what a late third round pick, I, I believe like the pick number 100, uh, something like that. So um your thoughts on Waller and and his fit uh, in this Giants offense, and and then uh, we'll we'll get to the Raiders here in a second. But but first of all, Waller new landing spot. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on him for fantasy? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think it's an upgrade exactly for Waller, but I I, I tend to I, I tend to agree with pretty much everything Brian Dable does. So. Uh, this is no exception. I like the pickup for the giants. And I I think it's, it's refreshing how kind of like laser focused and coherently reasoned Dable's uh, efforts have been. It's like, there are a lot of teams that are point up or point blank, just kind of screwing around. There's not really doing anything, not serious as teams, not serious as organizations. And uh, the giants are showing a a, a clear plan, even though I hate the, the Daniel Jones um, sentiment out there. Even I don't have that much of a problem with the contract as it actually looks. Not not four years, one sixty, but rather like two sixty three, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because it's like, yeah, I, I know why he doesn't want to tank the year, and yeah, going without Jones and whatever alternative they might get left with could be like a down tank year for them. Um, so I understand avoiding that. Um, in any case, uh, Adam Waller. Is, is, a, is good, in my opinion, because he's a good player. He's, he's a really good player. He's a unique player. He has traits that you can't imitate very easily, uh, not for cheap, certainly. So um, if there's people out there who are like, oh, you traded for a vet, an, an expensive aging tight end, like I, I don't share 
any of those thoughts. Um, it is a little tough though to to, to kind of like sort out where everyone's going to line up and how many snaps they're going to play, especially bringing back Sterling Shepard. I don't know. Maybe they brought back Shepard just kind of like with the assumption, like, Hey, he's a good guy. He let's let him hang out. He's going to get hurt anyway. Let's just like, let's pay him to rehab the next two years or whatever, like whatever, if that makes sense. Uh, Shepard's certainly good when he's not hurt. So I, I hope he just doesn't I just hope for once in this NFL career, he has decent injury luck instead. But he's more of a slot guy. He's not an outside guy. Wandell Robinson, not an outside guy. Slot guy only. So um, Hodgins, even. Not an ideal boundary outside player unless that other outside rep on the other side is really, really fast. And they, to be fair, it sounds like they're on that track. They were uh, Art Stapleton was saying that they might have interest in DJ Chark and Michael Hardman. Darius Slayton is a free agent. Uh, he was doing a pretty good job last year, but they, it is possible that they view Chark and Hardman as upgrades and have decided like we want someone other than Slayton or else. I, I don't know why there hasn't been more chatter about them just resigning him. Um, and if they did resign Slayton, then they wouldn't have room for Hardman or Chark. So um, anyway, it seems to me like they're setting up an offense where that rep op, that outside rep opposite Hodgins is going to be a decoy or that they're going to just, they're going to be distance uh, runners trying to take the safeties out of every play. And if the safety doesn't go with them, the, the offensive read progression will probably say, look for, you know, Chark, Harmon, whoever it's Slayton, whoever it is running that post route, that fly route. And the rest I think is about uh, getting Waller going in the middle and uh, the slot. Cause he, Waller is a crazy athlete for how big he is, but he, you probably don't want him sure. running up outside, outside. You'd rather get him against like nickel corners or safeties or linebackers better yet from the slot. Um, so He'll be there, I think, and not so much in line. I'm, I'm wondering, actually, if they go with a base offense of Bellinger at tight end, Waller in the slot, tight end two, if you want to call it that, and then, like, Chark, Hardman, Slayton, and Hodgins on the other side. And that's kind of, like, I trust Dable, and, and, and Waller's injury-prone enough or has had an injury history uh, concerning enough recently that they could be prepared, like, okay, yeah, this is our base, but, you know, Wandale, be ready if 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 Waller gets a hammy thing, we're going three wide base, you know, just on mm-hmm. just like that, that that sort of turn. Um, I I'm high enough on Wandale that I I kind of don't like the idea of him not being in base, but um, I don't know. But I it is possible too that Wandale could make like a sufficient impact, maybe even about as much of an impact as he is capable of with as little as like 35, 40 snaps a game. Like maybe he doesn't need to be a 50, 55 snap player, but um it, I like what the Giants are doing. They they have they have uh, more good players than they used to. Yes, that that much is, is certain. And you know, excited about the development of, of Wandale and uh, Hodgins was always pretty interesting to me in his college days. And you know, started to show out um, a little bit late last season. So you know, if you're going to have Daniel Jones as your quarterback, you you need to have some talent to kind of lift him up. And and that that certainly kind of kind of fits that that concept. Um, now on on the other side of this, you know, we 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 just talked about how how the Giants have a very kind of slot heavy personnel grouping with their pass catchers. What's going on with the Raiders? What's that all about? Uh, I think that's just a cursed team, and uh, mm-hmm. like Mark Davis. I don't know the specifics about it, but he's one of the poorest owners. Like he he's like pushing up against the line of like what he can really get away with financially. Whereas like these other owners are more like they're the kind of rich 
that they like could never become poor if they tried. Like if with a lot of other owners, their assets are so tied up in other industries and like financial interests that would get bailed out the second that they themselves went destitute, that it's literally impossible for them to become destitute. But like Mark Davis is really out of kind of spare money. And he can't, he can probably not really afford to buy out Josh McDaniels. I think that's the story here. It's like he had, he, his finances are so strapped. He can't buy out Josh McDaniels' contract. So from Mark Davis's position, it was like, okay, um, do I go into this next year with, you know, all the same people involved when it's already been an entire year of everybody yelling at me. And in the past, like two months, Josh McDaniels has started knocking on my door. Like uh, Mark, uh, Mark, these players are sabotaging me. We need new players. And Mark's like, oh, well, that doesn't sound likely, but what the hell am I going to do about it? Buy you out? No. So um, let's try to work on a narrative that's more to the effect of, hey, uh, Josh McDaniels is a really good coach, guys. He just he needs he, he needs the right players. These players, they're bad. They're, they're, they're Darren Waller, he's, he's terrible. Derek Carr, we, we, we don't like him. We don't like anybody who's on this team other than, um, I guess, Devontae Adams. So, uh, yeah, they, they move. Uh, we'll see if they manage to lose Josh Jacobs too. I don't know. I, it, it sounds, I love Josh Jacobs, attitude of late. It sounds like he's got the right thinking, the right, right outlook. And uh, so everybody, Oh, also there's that funny thing about uh, Darren Waller's wife tweeted that uh, Darren Waller didn't invite McDaniels to the wedding. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, everything's, everything's fine with the Raiders. John. I, ignore all that stuff that I said, it's going great. Um, no, so yeah, nothing to see here. Yeah. So uh, Mark Davis out of, no financial second option otherwise had to had to help with laundering this hey josh mcdaniels just needs a chance to rebuild guys that's all (laughs) we've seen it before when josh mcdaniels gets the key to the team everything's fine later so uh yes it's great it's funny to watch this as that is a josh mcdaniels who chose to sign with the raiders who went into last year um seemingly fully committed to Derek carr completely blows it the first two or three months of the year and 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 you know at that point later in the year, while staring down the prospect of getting fired as a first-year coach, Josh McDaniels decided, uh, well, oh, actually, all along I've been saying that we we got to get rid of Carr. We got to get rid of Carr. We got to get rid of Waller. Um, and uh, only then, with Jarrett Stidham slash Jimmy Garoppolo, can I truly unleash um, my vision. And so I think Jacoby Myers is a good player. I don't have any problem with that contractor, Jacoby Myers. But this is not just – Josh McDaniels getting his guys as like a, a, an obvious logistical necessity all along. This is Josh McDaniels also playing the scapegoat card and like just trying to say like it while he while it, while it's presented in a positive narrative fashion of like he's trying to build the team, the vision he wants. What he's also trying to do is say, I didn't fail last year. Derek Carr failed. Darren Waller failed. Hunter Renfro mm-hmm. failed. And I'm not a fan of either Carr or Renfro. I think they're both utterly replaceable players but the idea that josh mcdaniels is implicitly selling there that they're the reason not him is so transparently rotten and cowardly and false um i don't know how anyone could have a like even a flicker of respect for this guy at this point and mark davis is a clown this team sucks it's all going to hell it's already there but it'll get worse so yes no i uh I have no pushback on any of that. They are a mess. And, uh, you know, Mark Davis, you know, he's trying to do his best by not having overly extravagant meals. He's a P.F. Chang's guy. He cut the bowl, didn't he? He's 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 got some sort of – 
who who even knows what's going on up there, but uh, is a P.F. Chang's acolyte. But beyond that, um, when you look at, at this base offense and not, now you add Jimmy Garoppolo to, to the mix, like I guess in theory, you know, a lot of these guys can fit with what Jimmy G does because he's not really a, a big downfield guy. But you're just you know, we, this is like a recurring theme of, of, you know, offenses that we criticize is just like they're shooting the field on themselves now. Well, uh, so just as I'm not a huge fan of Carr, uh, I, I'm I'm not going to call Garoppolo like a you know huge downgrade or whatever. I don't even I don't believe he's necessarily a downgrade. I do think he is. I, I would take Carr uh, definitely, but uh, just as big of a problem is like Garoppolo's been hurt all the time. Uh, the offense when you add Garoppolo or, or when you go from Carr to Garoppolo. You need to do that understanding, like, we still need to load up more. We need we need to keep reloading, and it's being framed more like, well, now that we got Garoppolo and, and Jacoby Myers here, it's, it's good again. And um, uh, I don't know. Man. I I think um, Jared Stidham is awful, and Garoppolo is definitely better than him. So it's like, for, relative to Stidham, yes, Garoppolo is is, uh, is an upgrade. Relative to Carr, no. And uh, durability troubles with Garoppolo lately – imply that there's a pretty good chance they'll have to go to Stidham and uh that would actually be a fitting way for this whole stupid thing to end is like the the Raiders um you know they're they're like six and seven or whatever crap you know nondescript teams like them end up doing I guess in that division it could be worse um but they're they're probably going to be like middling at best all year you know, doing that kind of thing that Washington did last year where they, they they feel like they're losing every week but somehow it's like week 12 and they still have, they're still like, well, we got a shot at the playoffs guys. And then Garoppolo is going to get hurt. And then they're going to go to Stidham and then Stidham's going to throw 16 interceptions. And then uh, Josh McDaniels will finally be done uh, with the Raiders and probably everywhere else. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to go well, whatever, whatever, whatever the specifics are up ahead, it's going to go poorly. Um, which is why I think it's really funny that, uh, sorry, I was going to say it. Kevin Cole uh, posted a tweet to the effect of, uh, Ah, all those idiots, all those film watchers who said that the Shanahan system perhaps boosted Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers somewhat. They're really going to have that egg on their face when uh, Josh McDaniels unleashes Garoppolo on the Raiders this year. So, uh, yeah, I'll be happy to follow up on that one. Yeah, I look I look forward to that one. And uh, I I absolutely look forward to um, your revenge tweet on, on that one uh, as well. Um, let's get on over. Let's talk some underdog best ball for then the 2022 NFL season is over, but the fantasy football season never stops at underdog fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy football right now. You can draft in underdogs, the big board tournament with 1 million in total prizes and earn 200 with 200,000 given out to first place. Think, you know, which incoming rookies will burst onto the scene in 2023. If so, now's your chance to draft them at a value. All you have to do to join is the big board, draft your fantasy team, and that's it. In best ball, there's no waivers, no trades, and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. And whoever has the highest scores at the end of the season win. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Sign up with the promo code RWNFL, and not only will you get your first deposit doubled up to $100, we will also hook you up with a six-month RotoWire subscription to everything that we have to offer for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code RWNFL. So obviously, Mario, one of the big 
uh, kind of signposts of the offseason is this week and, and, you know, the reshuffling of the free agents and, you know, how all these new backfields and, and wide receiver cores uh, look. So I want to start things out um, with the Miles Sanders signing in Carolina. Were you expecting him to return to the Eagles? And now that he's in Carolina, you know, what, what's your outlook on him? Well, he was going pretty late, I want to say. Like, uh, not truly late, but I picked him a couple times, Miles Sanders, uh, without really expecting to, without planning on it. And it was more because I was just sort of like, this guy seems pretty late on the board for a guy who, uh, whatever, had like 10 touchdowns and 1,200 yards last year, uh, even if we don't know where he's going to play. Because we don't know where a lot of running backs are going to play. There's a lot of, uh, you know, the game of musical chairs is just getting started. So um, I thought, uh, what what could be the worst that would happen? Like, if he resigns with Philly, that'd be probably great. Uh, but he doesn't need to if you're getting him in, like, the eighth and ninth round or whatever he was going in. Uh, I think the Panthers is actually totally good enough to make that, a, a you know, make that clear value, uh, that, that prior ADP on Sanders. So I think the people who were getting him before didn't hurt themselves at all. I don't know if the price will go up, though, because – people are dreary enough, understandably, on the Panthers that they might say, well, he was just a product of the Eagles system. And so going to this team, he's, you know, uh, I can imagine people comparing it to like, uh, what would it be? Like Kenyon Drake on the Cardinals or something like that. You know, like he, he had that one big year and then he went like in the second round in fantasy. Um, people won't fall for that kind of thing again, but I also don't think Sanders is that kind of thing. I think he's almost exactly right on you know, that, that line of league average starting running back. Um, he's, he's an above average peer runner. He's just kind of one dimensional. And among that power, uh, among that rushing element, he doesn't have much of a power uh, factor. Like he's pretty much just an explosive guy who can take up 20 carries every now and then, but he can't do anything as a pass catcher. And he's a bit of a fumbler. So granted he does need rushing. He needs rushing usage, a lot of it. To, to get anywhere close to the level that he was in Philly this last year, especially given, you know, the high yards per carry, the high touchdown rate that that offense afforded him, that's off the table. But uh, I think the Panthers are so clearly committed to uh, a very um, run-heavy game plan, especially in light of trading away DJ Moore, that the usage might actually go a little bit up for Sanders. Like, he, he they really might force-feed him, like, 18 carries a game which the Eagles did not. The Eagles would give them usage when they thought the defense was leaving it open, you know? Like, they they get to the line, they say, like, hey, they're, they're sitting back here, they're rolling this way. Sanders should get some lanes if we run it. And then they hammer the run in those games and kind of go away from it for periods at a time. I think the Panthers are going to have to feed Sanders all the time. I, I don't think the results are going to be as explosive. But, uh, I mean, in the, I don't want to say off chance, but in the chance that the Panthers have, like, a pretty good defense – if their offensive line is not worse than below average, Sanders could actually get to the same numbers as last year uh, in terms of yards and touchdowns. It just, it might take more like, I don't know, 300 carries than 259 or something. And I think he's, I think he's capable of taking on that, that type of volume. So his ADP 93.4, um, we haven't ranked a, a decent bit that, higher than that. Almost? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I like him at that. I, I, I would be surprised if he didn't increase a little bit in price, actually, because I feel like a lot of projection models are going to raise his carry count. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, so therefore um, probably ticks up 
just a bit. Um, let's sort through this New Orleans backfield. So um, Kamara, I, I, I already felt was going a bit late when I did an underdog draft uh, earlier this week. I was able to, to scoop Kamara um, fairly, fairly late in there. I think probably, uh, let's see, pick 94. So like right at that, at that Sanders line. Now they go ahead and add um, Jamal Williams into the mix. Could this be a good thing, all things considered, for for Kamara in the, in the sense that you know it, it maybe it looks a little bit. I don't know if the skills are, are quite the same as it, they were when when Kamara was a rookie, but you know Williams kind of taking the the Mark Ingram you know grinded out type of carries. Obviously, the the concern would be the touchdown vulturing, but Kamara kind of get frees up, freed up a little bit more uh, in the in the passing game and and you know have a little bit more lighter boxes to work with. It's tough for me to look at the Williams signing and take away much in general. Uh, I don't think it could hurt Kamara. I'm, I'm pretty sure it can't. Uh, but uh, the Kamara part is it's just like we don't know what's going on with the suspension possibility. Like I don't I don't know what the hell is going on with any of that. Um, but if he misses five games and if he's playing in the Saints offense, a Saints offense that's not great, I guess I can. I guess a lot of it too is, is people projecting like, oh, he's old, so he's just going to straight up be terrible now. Um, I understand the temptation to conclude that. I see the numbers that they're looking at, and you know, the decline in the yards per carry, et cetera. That's that is that's not encouraging to see, but I also think it's a predictable outcome of over uh, exposing Kamara as a runner. Like we always, we always saw him in that Ingram Kamara offense, putting up his biggest numbers. When Ingram left, it was like, why the hell are we giving Kamara 30 carries a game? You know, like that's, mm-hmm. he's not built for that. That's not what he's supposed to do. So that the results were predictably bad is not to me, excellent grounds to write him off. Like I think, um, if, if he comes back healthy, I think he's going to be, you know, 90% or more of the Kamara we always knew. Um, and that's particularly true to me, particularly likely to me, if Williams uh, being there precludes the possibility of Kamara getting these 25, 27, 28, 29 carry games, because uh, we need a more like 12 to 15 and five to six catches. That way he doesn't break down physically and then look worse than he otherwise would be. So um, I don't know what to make of the suspension factor. I don't know about like, you know, I will say, I feel like in 20, 20 round drafts, it is easier than ever to take on a player like Kamara because you're getting more chances to get the running back depth uh, while you otherwise might be without him. Or even if, even if you're without him and he starts slow for like another three weeks after suspension, it's like you could survive that if you draft the right way and you get two extra shots to pad your running back depth or at least one, depending on how you look at it. So um, I, I am open to getting him slash I, I, uh, I'm not like, scared off of him but i haven't gotten him yet uh so yeah i got him as a i got him as my rb3 so i i got got henry and pacheco um at at obviously differing ranges of the draft and i felt like he was a worthwhile flyer obviously again but before uh the williams signing but but if anything i i i I guess the the main point i want to drive home is that like Kamara as an RB three is still um, extremely value or uh, viable. And I, I think he's a, a value. Well, if he's on the field, I think it's sooner that he's a running back one than a three. So yeah, it's just the, it's the question of like, how much does he play uh, to me? And um, yeah. So, so in a way it's, it's, it's great if, if Eckler's or sorry, if Kamara's playing and you have him 
as a running back three. But um, it's also, I think, both important to and easy to get the depth in those other – with that extra two rounds, you get still more running back depth than ever. And um, I think it makes sense to do that and, uh, you know, get, get Eckler for – I see the, the Eckler and Kamara both catch so many passes. Uh, you mm-hmm. see, I, I just have to slam them into the same head cannon <laughs> slot. Uh, but Alvin Kamara – if if he's if he's missing five games and your running back three is like Boston Scott, that's a problem. But if it's you know, I was trying to think of like the worst case scenario possible. But if you have even so much as like Chuba Hubbard, like two Chuba Hubbards as your running back three committee, I think is enough to to like hold the fort until Kamara gets there. But you just and gotta then, make that pick, right? Exactly. And then uh, rounding it out, does this? Increase or decrease your interest in, in Williams? Obviously, we're not expecting him to you know, leave the league in touchdowns again. He's just not very good, and Take he's him. a meme, and he's a culture guy. That's those aren't those aren't fantasy currency. The touchdowns were, but that's in the context of a Detroit offense that regularly moved the ball but didn't have any dominant from scrimmage producers. So uh, with the Saints, it's going to be a little bit different. That offensive line is not going to be nearly as good. Uh, he's going to rev- he's going to have the same career rushing averages, problematically low rushing averages, which is say like three point seven to four point And instead of seventeen touchdowns and two hundred carries or whatever, I think he's going to get like four or five on um, I don't know one hundred and forty. And as a pass catcher, okay. he's he's he catches the ball, but he doesn't do much with it. And keep an eye on this: he started fumbling a bit last year, which is something that I think you're going to. He's he's so bad at breaking tackles from all Williams that he doesn't like have guys punch at the ball. But if they keep giving him carries in short yardage, especially where they tip the play with him being on the field, guys are going to start punching at the ball more. And he's never had to deal with that. He always goes down easy. Right. And or just doesn't have like a, a large amount of ground to, to cover space for, for gang tackles to really happen because he gets you know fed at the goal line uh, so much. So, yeah, interesting call um, on him. That's going to wrap it up for our best ball movers, risers and fallers. Uh, breakdown again use that promo code rwnfl get your first deposit over at underdog matched up to hundred dollars get that free six-month rotowire subscription step three profit um mario so let, let's uh yeah a little uh i was watching the underpants gnomes literally yesterday so. oh awesome all right nice um let's see here so let's keep rolling let's discuss where jamal williams just came from that's the Detroit lions and their backfield. How do you expect the, the David Montgomery addition to impact the, this lions backfield, this offense, and also Deandre Swift? Yeah, John, I just, I don't know why this didn't occur to me before, but when, when you mentioned the lions, it immediately occurred to me, uh, they should trade for Eckler um, because they could just trade Deandre Swift for him. And Eckler is way better. The Chargers would definitely take that. Um, yes, they would. So yeah. And the, the Lions should definitely take it, too. So uh, that would be awesome. I mean, uh, Jared Goff loves a good check down and, and Eckler would have plenty of room to run with that offensive line buying a lot of time and uh, Jameson Williams making those corners turn and run. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that the Lions have some questions to answer still. Uh, they have questions to answer at both quarterback and, a, and running back. And uh, I guess to a lesser extent, maybe receiver, because it sounds like they're not going to keep DJ Chark. 
Um, in fact, they probably shouldn't. They should probably hope that he signs a good contract somewhere else and turns into a comp pick for them while James Williams takes over. So uh, they they will be tempted by Anthony Richardson, maybe even other quarterbacks. I feel like Richardson makes so much sense for them, especially because it's like you can let Goff start another year and whatever. If they if they get to like November and it's like they're clearly going to miss the playoffs because Goff is just screwing up too much, they could make the switch then. But they could also just take Richardson, not force him on the field. And if Goff has another year like last year, they could probably trade him for like a second round pick or something. Uh, that they certainly yeah, no, need I, absolutely. Him. So yeah, um, I think. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, I was just gonna, you know, add in that that yeah, as far as landing spots where where Richardson would get to develop, I, I'm firmly in the camp that he needs a little bit of time to uh, to get himself acclimated. But yeah, the the Lions would certainly be that. They they seem to be very happy with with Goff I mean, right now, even, but that doesn't uh, mean they shouldn't be looking ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like even even uh, what was his name? Nathan Peterman started over uh, Josh Allen for a while there, so it's it's it makes sense to protect that kind of um, toolsy investment with a human shield for a little while. And and as far as human shields go, Goff is actually pretty good. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that would be the ideal course for them to take because again, they could they would be in a way getting they would be getting more compensation out of that Stafford trade like three years down the line. And they'd be uh, turning to a, a new, you know, I won't say realistic hope, but as as realistic as you can reasonably expect hope in Anthony Richardson. And uh, with all those tools around, I mean, they're going to have to deal with replacing Taylor Decker eventually. I don't know what Ragnow's contract deal is. They're going to have to replace some people on the offensive line by then. But it's, it's much more easily done for them than most other teams in the same position because of Sewell being like just now 22 or whatever. No, exactly. So the, there, there are things in place there um, when, when it comes to Detroit. I absolutely um, really enjoy what 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 Dan Campbell uh, has got cooking there. But um, you know, circling back to the to the fantasy angle of this, so Swift uh, checks in at his ADP uh, just towards the end of the fifth round, fifty seven point six, and M- Montgomery. Um, let's see, end of the early tenth round, uh, one hundred eight. Um, so, uh, your thoughts on, on Montgomery's fit? I, I think the 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 fantasy reflex would just be to assume that he gets the goal line work once again, so we could be looking at double digit touchdowns for Montgomery. Is that something that you think could happen, or, and is that something that you think the market is going to act on? The second part is tougher for me. I love Montgomery in Detroit. I don't know if it's like. I mean, I, I might have tried to get a different player just because I, I feel like there's there's some running backs that I like a bit more than Montgomery, but Montgomery is solid, and he's way better than Jamal Williams. And I, I am positive that that last point is something that is at best obscured, you know, only loosely understood by the general fantasy scene. I, there, If you ran a poll right now of, like, just all fantasy players, all general NFL fans, whatever, about who's better, Jamal Williams or stinky David Montgomery? There'd be like 70 for his 70% of these meme lovers would be clicking on Jamal Williams. Like, no, David Montgomery is way better than Jamal Williams. And I'm sure there's somebody out there who's like, you have to debate me about that right now. No, I don't. Not talking to anybody about this. Not debating anybody <laughs> about this. I'm just going to wait and then smirk at the end. Um, so, well, David Montgomery, in any case, I wish I bought, I wish I got a lot more shares of him than an underdog because he was going, he was going around like where, 
He was going later than Miles Sanders, I'm pretty sure. A, I'm pretty sure he was yes. around like by about Ezekiel a round Elliott, by Ezekiel Elliott in like the 11th and 12th and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So to me, Detroit, absolute best case scenario landing for David Montgomery. I wish I had been taking him a lot more. And now I'm going to have to consider him as soon as like the seventh round or something like that. Because look, the Lions have had it with Swift. They are not reviewing this any further. Like Deuce Staley probably partially left town because he was just like so sick of Swift. Uh, not truly, but it's it, in, the, in the Hard Knocks thing. It was like Staley was always just saying nice things about Swift, but also ending every uh, complimentary sentence, sentence with something to the effect of like, he really needs to stop doing everything else that he does, though. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, he's like, like you, you can be you can be the best guy out here, uh, but you don't seem to be doing that. So what's going on? Yeah, you have the talent. You don't have the heart. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's not the heart something. Of a lion. So, yeah, I think um, like they're not going to I don't mean by the, I don't mean like they're going to just like cut Swift. I don't mean like that. They're that kind of done with him. But I do think they would uh, offload him if they saw like a slight opportunity to do so. I, I really hope it's Eckler. I really want this Eckler thing to happen. now. And by the way, if the Lions added Eckler, I still don't think that would hurt Montgomery much. I think to the chagrin of all of uh, our pointy headed uh, math evangelists out there. They would simply be a very high-scoring offense with an un- implausible amount of the production channeled specifically through the running backs. And I think, by the way, such an approach is the key to breaking this too-high scourge that we're seeing all around the league. And I, the, the Lions really have all the pieces to do it. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Swift, in any case, is not part of the solution for them. Like I, I think they've maybe been a little too stingy with him, but... If they're going to have the standards that they do, Swift isn't going to meet it. Guys like Montgomery meet it. Montgomery's hard-nosed. Montgomery uh, plays with Max Motor all the time, whereas Swift is more like a really athletically talented guy who just happens to play football for a job, you know? So uh, it's it's a meaningful difference to people like Dan Campbell. And I could imagine Swift playing for another team next year, therefore – Okay, there, there which we could have be good it. For, which um, would be better for him, I guess I should say. I'm not, I shouldn't say like that as in like don't draft Swift necessarily, but understand what you might be getting into, which is we want him to go to another team probably to get a bigger workload. So without putting words in your mouth, that I'm I'm guessing you're going to have more shares of Montgomery uh, than than Swift. Do you think you might even? I I don't know if the board will set up in a way where you have to make this choice, but would you just take Montgomery straight up over Swift right now? I would, yeah. Um, I, I don't remember. Swift going in like the fifth round, sixth round, something like that. So End of the fifth. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. Man, even with the trade possibility, I don't want to pay that. Because like, Swift is good, but he's not uniquely good. And his durability is a problem. So I wouldn't take him there. I need him to be more at least in the sixth. Right now, I yeah, I, I confidently would say Montgomery will outproduce Swift in the Lions offense if they both must play in it. Uh, I love it. I love that call. Um, before we get on to our next uh, topic of conversation, quick word from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I want to unpack two more things but before we get out of here. Uh, number one, I would be remiss if we were to do this show and I didn't give you the chance to talk about Rashad Penny on the Eagles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rashad Penny on the Eagles is pretty simple. I mean, the durability concerns are totally valid, totally understandable with him. Um, but the reason I keep going back to Penny and, and you know railing on his critics is because – they are ignorant, all of them. They almost all of them, I should say. If, the, if there's a shot penny critic who says, Look, my policy is I do not draft guys with these kinds of injuries. I don't do it. It's like, hey, fair enough. He has those injuries. What am I going to do? Argue that he didn't have those injuries. But what you get instead is more commonly you get people who are like, Oh, Rashad Penny, this, this guy again. Oh, we're doing the Rashad Penny thing again, huh? This guy is a fraud. He's a fraud. You know, he's like, Look at it. He's yeah, not, he gets like the uh, Christine Michael treatment from people, and it's like he's not that. It's because they don't care, you know? Like they don't look and they don't care. They, they are fundamentally not interested in football as a sporting event. They just look at like numbers that they get from their fantasy contests, and they that's reality to them. The fo- NFL football isn't real. The only thing real is my my roster, my uh, lineup scoring page, you know? And so the co- the things, the physical events that go into the contents of those numbers at the end of the year are completely irrelevant to these people. And it, it, it shows. 
Um, they, they speak with these generalities toward Penny. They make vague references to, you know, draft capital. You know, this, this is why. Oh, don't you understand that when a flash in the pan running back does, he only has this many yards in four years. And now he's on a team where he could be easily replaced by, uh, by a new draft pick. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's be specific about what's going on here. Rashad Penny, when he's on the field, produces a certain way. It's, it's a, you know, one of those things people can kick and scream all they want about. Again, Rashad Penny outruns almost everybody on a per-play basis. There's Nick Chubb, there's Jonathan Taylor. That's it. No one else can run with the ball as well as Rashad Penny does. Now, the durability is a problem. If he's hurt, he can't play. And the fact that he's a great runner doesn't matter at that point. I understand that. But that's not the that's not what's baked into his general fantasy price in public, certainly public reception. Um, I'm glad to see some of these, you know, mega blue check accounts uh, in the past couple of days. They, they must all have some group chat where they they talk about what they're going to talk about or whatever. And uh, clearly, Rashad Penny was on on uh, the uh, schedule this week because he had a bunch of blue checks all of a sudden saying Rashad Penny sure seems good. And, uh, you know, pointing pointing to these graphs that, that were developed with uh, lots of uh, charting and labor costs going into them. And the things that uh, are not any more insightful, I'm sorry, than Rashad Penny's career production numbers. Like, I, the reason I've been screaming about this for years is because it was always obvious. It wasn't it wasn't like some, some wizard needed to come along and, and cast a spell for us to see the world differently. And, and now, oh, something's changed. No, it's always been this obvious. It's always been this simple. And if your valuation of Penny suspects anything at all about his talent level, other than, you know, that it's very high, that it's not easily imitated, then you don't know who he is and you're wrong about what you're saying about him. So uh, I think it's clear that the Eagles understand, but it's a cheap contract. It's like one and a half million dollars or something. Clearly the Eagles understand and are planning for this injury risk with Penny. And so I do expect them to add a running back in the draft. I mean, Mm -hmm. it could be at pretty much any point. I would suspect the third or fourth though, just for the way they tend to do things, which is to say they tend to do things smart. And if they're smart, they would look at Penny and say, Hey, we kind of want to get a lot out of this. If we can, we're not assuming we can, because if he gets hurt, Oh, well, but if we can, we would like this guy to be our main running back all year, because what other team can get, I don't know, uh, 1400 yards rushing and 15 touchdowns on 200 carries out of a one and a half million dollar running back. Think about how far that puts them ahead of the rest of the league in the production accounting budgeting for, for actual front scrimmage production. The Eagles would have, that's, that's like, that's a bunch of free spaces right there. So I don't think they want to get in the way of that possibility by taking a first round running back and denying themselves the opportunity of reaping that huge windfall from Penny alone. Cause it's mm-hmm. there. If he doesn't get hurt, it, I mean, that's, this is, this is something that, uh, especially the penny, the, the, the more hardline critics can't really seem to face down. It's like, if he doesn't get hurt, do you have any idea what's going to happen? Do you, is it registered with you yet? Is it dawning on you that if this guy gets to 200 carries, your entire season will be in flames? Uh, let's see. I got Penny um, in that in the aforementioned draft on Monday, so before the, this signing uh, at the end of the 14th round. Yeah, man, I was taking him always like 25 picks higher in the ADP just because I was like, not not that I think anyone cares who I am, but if anyone in the draft did know who I was, they they would also be ready to take Penny earlier than ADP. So I always did it two rounds early. Um, so I have like five teams with Rashad Penny in the 13th round. 
And I'm sure people at the time were going, like, you idiot, taking Rashad Penny over Rashawn Johnson. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's, that tide has turned for the time being. Um, those people who were on the other side are now, uh, once again, praying to however many gods they can that, like, please let this guy get hurt. Please hurt him. Please let him get hurt. Um, I'm happy to say I'm not one of those people. They're, they're scrambling. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I've always respected about you uh, just in general and in our professional uh, settings is like you stick to your takes, man. And there have been some dark times in the Rashad Penny era. <laughs> and and I think we're, we're seeing the light now. That's just think, the OCD, John. That's uh, that, that's not a virtue. I'm, I'm packaging it as such. Um, I love it. And, you know, good on you. And also, I, I felt like the, the use of the word tourists was, uh, in regards to, like, oh, yeah. all these, like, newfound penny guys. I'm the regular awesome. at the Rashad Penny Bar, and I'm, like, throwing nickels at all of these, uh, these, these cocktail-ordering losers who, who just lately uh, are, are, are a fan of uh, running backs who average 7.8 yards per carry. Do you have any bourbon that's fat-washed as you're just, like, downing a Schlitz and, and laughing? Good I'm stuff. just drinking diesel and mud on my side of the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, new year. Um, let's uh, let's finish out. It's it's old-ish news, but we haven't unpacked it yet because it happened the day after we we last recorded. Um, but in regards to the Panthers Bears trade, your thoughts on DJ Moore and, and his addition to uh, the, this Bears offense, and then uh, your initial forecast as to what the Panthers do with that number one pick? Well, uh, it's, I I guess it's hard to know because you also saw some of those reports that like, that suggested the Panthers don't even know what they're going to do. That like they've made the trade and said, now we're going to think about what we want to do, which might Mm -hmm. be trade now. Like, well, that sounds like a strange process to me, but whatever. And maybe it'll pay off somehow. Um, I like the trade more for the Bears, excuse me. Yes. Um, DJ, DJ Moore is really good. Um, I, I think the Bears would ideally run an offense different than last year, but as much as I uh, – I still don't – I still reject it at the, from the time. I still don't accept that there was any good excuse for the Bears doing what they did last year, especially at the start of the year. But when you have someone like DJ Moore on the field, you can't call the same offense like when you were going with Dante Pettis or whatever. You know, like you got to – you got to open it up now. It's, and especially if you're going to do this thing where you're like, we can't tell if Justin Fields is good enough. I'm like, well, give him a chance to throw the ball if you're going to say he needs to throw the ball better. Like, come on, give me a break. So I, I hope uh, I hope that this at least means – well, I don't know why I would hope. I, I, I hope for Justin Fields' general public uh, reception that the Bears don't trade him because I don't want these Th- Thomas Dimitrov's minions to – throw a parade about how like yes ryan pole traded the the expiring rookie contract for a new rookie contract we did it i i makes me sick to see those freaks doing anything i hate being reminded of them i especially don't want to see them uh throwing an office party because justin fields got traded by ryan poles the the number one subscriber to sumer sports so uh that's all stuff that i hate and for that reason i don't want them traded but maybe it would be for the best i mean maybe maybe some smarter team would get them that way and it'd be better for fields that way, but uh, DJ Moore is a huge help in the meantime. And um, those, those other picks, as far as like giving credit to polls, I'm not going to do it because um, the first pick always gets returns like this. If there's a halfway decent quarterback class, this is, 
I remember seeing all these, these tweets about like Ryan Poles, masterclass. Like just shrewd, he's the sharpest negotiator. Uh, it, it, this always happens. It, it's just it's how it always works. Uh, yeah. And we must not let it escape the record. The Bears would have a third or a fourth round pick additionally this year if they didn't sign Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, etc., to contracts last year, thus mm-hmm. negating their eligibility for the comp pick that Allen Robinson would have gotten them. So if we're gonna if we're gonna do all this, uh, we're gonna just do all this uh, competitive praise for Ryan Poles. Let's give him full credit for that Byron Pringle third round pick signing that he did last year. Ooh, Ooh. scathing, scathing even. Um... And then, again, um, when it comes to the Panthers, what do you think that they're going to do? I would take Anthony Richardson if I was them, but if they don't know what they're going to do, it's like kind of hard to speculate on, on what they might do. Um, I, I would think they take a quarterback. I don't think it's going to be Will Anderson. You know, that's who I would if, if, if I'm naming one top overall player in the draft, it would be Will Anderson, but uh, uh, certainly not my guy, Jalen Carter. I, I think he'll be fine. I don't know, but yeah, that weird story there. I don't, I don't, I, and I'm not up to date on it. So I think something broke way. while we were, while we were talking on this pod too. I I, I didn't oh, see God. exactly what it was, but I, I think some, oh, some no. more stuff has, has come out. All right. Well, I will say about that, that, that conditioning drill or whatever. I, I could imagine him being somewhat, stressed and like not able to work out as much as he would like to. So I, I, whatever, I, I think he'll be fine. I don't, I agree though. He's not a, he's not a consideration for the first overall pick, but neither is Willie Anderson. It has to be a quarterback. So even if they trade yes. back down, I think it would still be a quarterback. I guess what hap- what's happening right now might be they're waiting to see what maybe they themselves, but at the very least what they hear, what others think about, you know, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud. And Maybe when they think they know what everybody else wants, they will make a second move. Like maybe they maybe they know we want the Stroud, but we don't know if we have to take him first overall. We're gonna see if if these other teams end up leaking that they like Levis and Young more, and then we'll try to trade down to six and still get Stroud. Like I don't know if I don't know if something like that's on the table for them. But if I have the first pick and I'm not taking Will Anderson, I'm taking Anthony Richardson. Just swinging for the fences, baby. Um, I. The betting market says right now that Stroud is the favorite, but the uh, his lead there it was like minus three fifty on Monday. It was young, like was five like days minus ago, wasn't it? Like it was, yeah, it was young so up it, until Daniel Jeremiah said Stroud did great at Common. Okay, yeah, so it yeah it's a, it's a fairly fluid and uh, you know things I, I've been comparing this to the 2018 draft class where like we. We thought it was Darnold all along, and then it was Baker Mayfield, like as of like the, the Wednesday before the draft. So I, I think that we're gonna we're gonna be in for that type of roller coaster, which I enjoy. Um, I, I like you know having like variability and and different possibilities at the, at the top of the draft. I don't like the the draft starting at pick three or whatever. Um, in, in all essence, but uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to fully know what the Panthers are gonna do. My my guess is Stroud right now, but but I, I think like you said, they they might game it out. A little bit, see their favorite, see if they could get him uh, a little bit later, recoup uh, some of what they gave up to get that draft pick. But uh, that's going to wrap things up for us here on the Rotowire Face Football Podcast. Again, presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code RWNFL. Get that six month Rotowire subscription. Get that deposit match over at Underdog. 
up to $100. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.